0: The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is a prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. At the door. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, I'm really excited because this weekend, there are monumental things that are shifting and that will be shifted for life in our lives. You know, many times when God wants to change someone's life, it starts like an ordinary day. You may have woken up thinking today is an ordinary day. I have news for you today. Your life is going to be totally changed for good. In the mighty name of Jesus. We, We have been looking at altars, 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 and dealing with altars, and building altars, and establishing altars, and today we are going to round up with sustaining an altar. Sustaining the altar, or an altar. In Leviticus chapter 6, verse 13, Leviticus 6, 13, the Word of God says in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 13, that a fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. As far as God's altar is concerned, the altar must be sustained. It must be sustained. So there there has to be an altar in the first place and the altar must be sustained. We're going to go over very quickly on, on building an altar. Then we'll round up with sustaining the altar. We, we talked about this when we talked about altar, the meeting place, but we'll go by it again. Um, in Judges 6 25 that we read um, yesterday, earlier of, of this morning, yesterday, yeah, yesterday, video, Friday into Saturday. Verse 26, Judges 25, Judges 6, 25 and 26. The Word of God says that that night the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd. The one that is seven years old. Even God knows the age of the bull. Praise the name of the Lord. There's no confusion. The one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar. Some of you need to live here and go and pull down your father's altar. Praise the name of the Lord. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cast down the Asherah pole. Standing beside it, then build an altar. So, as you pull down an altar that is not of God, you have to build an altar for the Lord. Build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary. Laying the stones, I must say, the stones carefully. Sacrifice, I must say, sacrifice. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as well, everyone say, the wood. The wood of the Asherah pole. <laughs> Look at that. amazing. So, we see here that God was telling Gideon, pull down this altar that is not of me, and raise this altar that is mine. And in raising the altar, the, there are three main things in, in, in raising the altar. The first, we said there are two things in, 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 in building altar, faith and sacrifice. But you see, it takes faith to obey God and, and put the stones together. So God says to you, put the stones together. It, takes, it took faith for Noah to begin to build the ark. Everybody thought Noah was crazy. So the first thing is the stone that is present in the altar. I was say the stone. So what is the stone? I'm doing a teaching today so that we really understand it. What is the stone when it comes to us building an altar to God? What does the stone represent? And as we obey God, We realize that this God that we serve, it is impossible to please him without faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, if you want to reason God out totally, you want to totally reason him out, you're going to have a problem with God. Because you're going to get to an extent that your reason will fail. Praise the Lord. As brilliant as science is, and I, I believe science, God, is, science is God's gift to man. Science keeps discovering new things every day as it were. Why? It means yesterday they didn't know some things. Today they know more things. Tomorrow they will know more things. So without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, there must faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, God is, and is a rewarder of them that diligently, diligently seek him. So, in obedience by faith, Jerubbaal, Gideon, had to gather the stones. For us, you and I, do we need to start gathering stones? What does the stone represent? The stone is... You and I. First Peter chapter two. You know the Old Testament is the shadow of, of the New Testament. We see the substance in the New Testament. First Peter chapter two verse five. The Word of God says, "You also." It say you. You also, as living stones, lively stones. Another translation says, "Are built up a spiritual altar, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood." to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. So when the stones that you are to gather in building your altar for God is yourself. God says, come, yourself, you, the stone, you and I, when we come together, we are lively stones. And this becomes an altar to the Most High God. Praise the name of the Lord. What does the wood represent? The wood is the foil. And you and I know that the foil is the Holy Spirit. The foil is the Holy Spirit. You can get the wood from anywhere else, but the foil is the Holy Spirit. Then the third thing is the sacrifice. Sacrifice. What does the sacrifice represent? What is the sacrifice? The sacrifice is your body. Your body. Your time. Your substance. So if there's a mathematical equation, sacrifice equals body, Plus time plus substance. In fact, sacrifice is your life is <laughs> your life. That's the sacrifice. amazing. That's the sacrifice. and that is what must be consistently present for the fire to burn and to keep burning. Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews 12. 1 and 2, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, And so, their brothers and sisters, I plead with you by the mercies of God. Another translation says, I plead with you, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you give what? Your bodies to God. Everyone say, Your bodies. Touch your body. God says, Give me your body. Because of all he has done for you. And let them be what? Living and holy sacrifice. The kind you will find acceptable. This is, the, this is truly the way to worship him. So God is saying, give me your body. You know, some people say, oh, once you get born again, it's your spirit that gets born again. You can do anything with your body. But, you know, just worship God in your spirit. God is a spirit, and they that worship people worship God in spirit and in truth. While that is true, you know, that God is a spirit, it is not true that God does not want your body. God wants your body. You saw that in the scriptures right now, right? And that's in the New Testament for those that want to differentiate New Testament from Old Testament. Give me your body. Please say to your neighbor, give God your body. If you've given God your body, it's difficult to now allow this same body to be defiled. If your body belongs to God, no rascal should be able to touch it, right? Because your body belongs to God. Say, my body belongs to Jesus. And as we bring our bodies, God also wants our time. God wants your 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 body. He wants your time. He also wants your substance. God wants your money. Say, Pastor, God wants my money. Yes, You know why God wants your money? Because God knows that if he can, he's not really after your money, he's after your heart. He knows that if he can get your money, he can get your heart. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If God is not the Lord over your money, don't deceive yourself that God is the Lord over your life. He not. If God cannot request for your money and you surrender it, It's not a lot of your life. If God says, "Give me X," you say, "God, you you know what? You know, let's 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 do this 50 50 Then you are fifty. You are the Lord of fifty, and it's the Lord of fifty, right? <laughs> when God says, "Give me X," He wants your life. Why? Because it is your life you used to exchange for that money. Remember, you went to if you have, if you have a nine-to-five job you went to, the, to, the, to work and you logged in your time, right? And at the end of the month, they gave you what? Money in exchange for your life. So, when you hold your money, you are holding your... You see why it's so important to God? And God said, give me your, your life. Give me your life. And that is the sacrifice. You see, until you realize that you know, I know, I know that some, there's, there are two extremes, you know, when it comes to this. Some people just preach money off, off the cliff. And some, people, some pastors are afraid to talk about money. Why? Because people will be angry. But I will teach you what the Word of God says. God wants your money. See after me, God wants my money. Because, and because, (laughs) there's no full stop there. He wants my life. Now, some people may struggle with this. Think about it. You want to marry a babe. And you never give her. You don't buy anything for her. You don't. You know. If the baby has some common sense, she will not marry you. Is she after your money? Talk to me. Is she after your money? But she needs to collect your money. <laughs> yeah, are clapping, clap, clap, clap for Jesus. She needs to collect it. You need to spend that money on her, buy her beautiful dresses. She wants to do her hair. <laughs> to be a man, man <laughs> It's a lot of work. One single hair, a hundred and fifty thousand naira. Abba, a barking lot de. Anyway, let's go there. Now, you need, now, I, I, I'm just bringing that out. You, you need, to, you, you are showering her your affection by buying her gift and giving her money. Oh, I need to, I need to, I need to fix my tire and you don't see anything. And the following day, somebody comes with a new tire and just changes it for her. How will she feel? Oh, it's so sweet. And if there are two friends, and one has a man that is really loving her and showering money on her, and the other, even though they work in the same place, he has the money, he's not spending a dime on her, what do you think is going to happen? The girls are talking, the girls are talking. There will be some serious advice going on. Now, question again. Is it because she's after his money? No. It's because you can give without loving but you cannot love without giving. You cannot love without giving. Where your, where your treasure is there your heart will be. It's as simple as that. That's why God wants your money. Does it make sense now? Everyone say, God wants my money because he wants my life. Revelation. I know that the the people that I've called topical apostles, you know, and I know genuinely God gives some men of God graces in different areas. I, I understand that. But some people are just topical apostles. In other words, they take an issue that is truth and they inadvertently push it into error. They take a truth like salvation and push salvation into error. They take a truth like holiness and push holiness into error. Push holiness. I mean, back in the day, holiness. If a lady sits on this chair and the lady gets up, the holiness people say, Bro, you cannot sit on it. Oh. You have to wait. I say for how long? Before you can sit on it. That has nothing to do with God. Everyone say nothing. Nothing to do with God. So, so it, is, it is man to err. The holiness, topical apostles, they push it into error. Then we have the Pentecostals. They push only ghost baptism into error. I was speaking to someone and says, Oh, uh, does Dr. With House is not Pentecostal. I said, nope. Say, wow. Are you guys speaking in tongues? I said, yes. Because it's in the Bible. Some people say, We are not Pentecostal, really. Pastor, I thought we were Pentecostal. Revelation. We are not. Do we fellowship with Pentecostals? Yes. Do we fellowship with Baptists? Yes. Do we fellowship with Anglicans? Yes. Do we fellowship with Believers, yes. And they push baptism of the Holy Spirit to error. You can actually pray in tongues without being filled with the Holy Spirit. You can. They push it into error. Some preaches and deliverance. And all these things, salvation, holiness, Pentecost, They are legitimate experiences that God wants you to have as a child of God. But some people push deliverance into error. Because the only thing they do is what? Deliverance. All the negative altar that I have eaten from, I vomit everything I've eaten. I didn't eat from any altar. Okay, in case I have eaten, okay, I vomited in Jesus' name. I prayed that prayer yesterday night. Then today I'm praying that same prayer. Then tomorrow I'm praying that same prayer. What's wrong with me? Praise the name of the Lord. Something is wrong there. When we pray, we believe that He has heard us. So, while you know that, I mean, I, 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 I'm, so, I'm so believed that deliverance exists, and we've seen a lot of deliverances, we give glory to Jesus. Some people preach deliverance into error. Grace. Some people preach grace into error. Oh, grace, oh, grace, oh, grace. They preach grace such a way that their churches are filled with fornicators. Why grace is legitimate? Why deliverance is legitimate? Why holiness is legitimate? Why salvation is legitimate? And every Christian must not ignore any of those things. Otherwise, you will not have a complete Christian experience. The same goes with prosperity. I don't need to tell you how prosperity has been preached into error. Oh, yes. Into a lot of error. But if you ignore prosperity principles in the Bible, you are doing yourself a major harm. If you, because of the error, ignore the principles of prosperity, may you not die in poverty. If you, because of the error, ignore the principle of grace, you will suffer under the law. That's not your portion. If you, because of the error, ignore the principle of deliverance, you will have the challenges. If you, because of the error, ignore the principle of holiness, the same thing. So what am I saying? God expects you and I to be grounded in his word. In his word. And when it comes to building altars, when it comes to sacrifices, there should be nothing, there should be nothing in your life that you can withhold from God. There should be nothing in your life that you cannot give to God. There should be nothing in your life that you cannot give to God. You should not have a sacred cow that you cannot sacrifice. When you begin to have that, you are setting yourself up. Why? Because Satan will know that that is your weakness and he will come after it. But if there's nothing in your life that you cannot offer up to God while they are still in your custody you are safe because God is in control of them praise the name of the Lord that's what it means to be a living sacrifice a living sacrifice is to be alive yet sacrificed praise the name of the Lord in Genesis 22 we're going to read 7 to 18 Quickly, Genesis 22, 7 to 18. The Word of God says that Isaac turned to Abraham. Now, this is Abraham. God has said to Abraham, Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, and go and sacrifice him for me. Imagine that. God said, go and sacrifice your son. God was not asking for all Abraham's cattle. That would have been easy. God was not asking for all his wealth. That would have been tough, but better. God was saying, Your son, your only son. Ishmael was there, but not to be reckoned with. God said, your only son, Isaac, go and sacrifice him. And they were on the journey. And in verse 7, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, you taught me about altars. And Abraham said, yes, my son. And Isaac said, in Altar 101, you must have the fire and the wood. We have the fire, we have the wood, the boy said. But where is the sacrifice? This equation is not complete, my father. And Abraham said, God will provide. Everyone say, God will provide. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And Abraham, Abraham answered, and they both walked together. And when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood on it. He built the altar with the stone, arranged the wood on it. And he now said to Isaac, Lie on the altar. Now, Abraham had already said to Isaac, God will provide him. Self. And Isaac knew That what goes on the altar Was the sacrifice An altar without a sacrifice Is useless And Abraham said to Isaac Go on the altar And Abraham tied Isaac And Isaac did not resist Praise the name of the Lord. Question: Those of us are our parents. Can you ask your son of that level of obedience, and they will just obey? I pray the answer will be yes. And Abraham said to Isaac, "Lie there," and he tied him on the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, remember, said, at that moment. At that moment the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied. Here yeah, I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, "Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know," Abraham said, "Now I know." That you truly God, you have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then I, Abraham, looked up and saw the ram caught up by its own in the ticket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as the burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord we provide. Till this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On this mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And we speak concerning God's favorite house. On this mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven, This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name. Wow. I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Like the stars in the sky and the sun in the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you obeyed me. Wow. It is so important that we know that God will test our faith. God will test our faith. Lord, I love you more than anything. More than anything, I love you, Jesus. More than anything. God says, mm. noted. More than life itself, uh, I love you, Jesus. More than life, it says. God said, interested. Every utterance will be tested. And Jesus said to Peter, do you love me more than this? Don't you love me more than fishing? Don't you love me more than fish? Don't you love me more than cattle? Don't you love me more than... Do you love me more than this? And as God... Listen, I'm, I'm telling you by the grace of God as somebody that is privileged as, as we all are also to work with God. As they walk with God. Believe me. God will test everything. When Abraham said he loved God, like Peter said to Jesus, but you know all things. You know I love you. You are the God that knows the heart of man. You don't need to test me. Just know my heart. God says no. I need your heart to come out. Praise the name of the Lord. So God is going to place a demand on you and I. The question will always be, do you love me more than this? When you have a sacred cow and God is looking at that cow, you know, I've been through seasons where I have something. I I don't particularly term it sacred, but and as I look at that thing, you know, I look at it and I know that God is looking at it. Do you know that's that's you know, I don't know if you've expressed that before. And I know that God is looking at it, I say, God please, can you can you take your eyes off this? (laughs) Please. (laughs) But I know that there's no other way. The destiny of the thing has been determined. And I say to you, like Abraham discovered, like everyone that works with God will discover, when you release everything you have to God, you provoke God to release everything he has to you. Praise the name of the Lord. When you release everything you have to God, you provoke God to release everything he has to you. Now listen, who has more stuff? Think about it. Who has more stuff? When you release everything you have to God, you provoke God to release everything He has to you. Imagine, you know, because some people will never. This thing I'm sharing with you, some people will never understand. It's sometimes it's 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 a straight and narrow road that you have to pass. But when the glory comes, then we understand. President the name of the Lord. If Abraham, I've said this before, if Abraham and God had said to Abraham, go and sacrifice your son, your only son, that you waited how many years for? 25 years or more? Bible scholars, how many years? 25. 25 years. And go and sacrifice him. And Abraham goes home and says, Mama Sarah. And Mama Sarah says, Baba Abraham. What are you feeling like this evening? And Papa Abraham says, "Eh, God has spoken to me. What has God said? This is our son. Which one? Our only son, Isaac. Uh He wants to bless him. No, he says I should sacrifice him. What do you think Sarah will do? He will lock Abraham up. My son? I mean, how do they do it, woman? You will sacrifice me first. What do you think she will do? You will doomble me first before you doomble this boy. Or if she's more diplomatic, she will say, After God says your son, eh, Ishmael is also your son. Let's kill that boy, self. I don't like him the way he's walking around this compound. There are certain things that God will require of you that sometimes even your spouse will not understand. Believe me. My wife is there. She's the greatest woman on earth. You know. (laughs) Greatest faith I've seen. But sometimes, a few times, God has required things of me that my wife quivers and shakes because of, like, ah. How will we do? But I can tell you that when you release to God, you'll be provoking God to release to you there's nothing God requires of me today that makes my wife quiver. You know why? Because she has seen God release to me. I say, ah, this one was better than that one. <laughs> so, so when God challenges us to, and sometimes, believe me, it just doesn't make sense. Think about it. For those of us that have been with us for a while, we've had to make certain sacrifices. But think about the sacrifices you made. Has your life been better or worse? Always! Because nobody trades with God like a grandmother says and comes out short. Not one person. So God is saying to you and I, give me the Isaac. Ask your neighbor, will you Give him the Isaac. Ask them, ask them. <laughs> the key to sustaining an altar, the key to sustaining an altar is the priesthood. The key to sustaining an altar. Is the priesthood. You know, I explained that we are going to, I'm going to teach you how to sustain an altar at the vigil, right? The key to sustaining an altar is the priesthood. Everybody say the priesthood. Every believer has a triple calling upon their lives. As believers, we are prophets. Everybody say prophets? We are kings. Everybody say kings? And we are priests. Everybody say priests? We are priests. First Peter 2.9 1 Peter 2.9 The word of God says in First Peter 2.9 It says but you are a chosen generation You are a royal priesthood You are a holy nation His own special people You are God's own special people That you may proclaim the praises of him Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God is saying you are a royal priesthood. Because you're a king, that brings royalty to your priesthood. But you are a priest. In Revelations, God says that He has appointed us kings and priests. King and priests. So you're a prophet, you are a king, you are a you are a priest. And it is the priesthood, it is your priesthood as a believer that sustains. Your altar. And the priesthood is dispassionately routine-based. The priesthood is dispassionately routine-based. If you get this, your life will change totally. The priesthood is what? Dispassionately routine-based. Your priestly duties sometimes will look mundane and boring. (laughs) But they embed the power to keep your altar going. The priest is like a nurse. The prophet is like the doctor. The doctor diagnoses the prophet diagnoses then prescribes, then the nurse clean the wound, bandage it. Does the nurse have to feel good to clean the wound? What if the nurse woke up on the wrong side of the bed? What does she still need to do or he still needs to do? Clean the wound, bandage it, put the injection the, same, the exact millimeter, jab the guy. Just the same routine, patient come patient go. And as priests, to sustain our altar before God, we have to understand that the priesthood is so routine based it can be boring. But the fact that it's boring does not make it important. The fact that you don't feel good does not make it of no value. Am I making sense? So it's the priesthood that provides consistency because every altar is sustained by a priest. Every altar is sustained by a priest. The negative altars that we dealt with had the negative priest, and we dealt with them yesterday, right? Good. Every altar is sustained by a priest. So, it is not enough to do the right thing. You have to do the right thing for long enough. It is not enough to do what? The right thing. You have to do the right thing for... The problem with, the, with us human beings, everybody, including myself, we have this challenge that we, we need encouragement time and again. We, we build an altar to God. We are excited about the altar, Then after a while, we are just tired. And we just don't want to go on. But if you, which is the difference between a child and a man? A child does only the things he feels like doing. Have you, have you tried to make a child do what it doesn't feel like doing? Have, have you tried that before? What happens? It throws a tantrum, kicks you, bites you, says I hate you. You are not my friend. But a man, he still doesn't feel like but he knows if I don't go to this work, eh, this family is going to starve. So I have to go to, I have to go to work. Whether I feel like it or or not. My boss, I don't like his face, but I still have to go to, I have to go to work. Until God provides a better job. So, the Word of God says, and we read in Leviticus 6.13, A fire shall always be burning on the altar, and it shall never go out. In verse 12, it explains further, The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it, and it shall not be put out. And the priests, everybody, said, the priests. The priests shall burn wood on it every morning. How often? And lay the burnt offering in order on it. You see, you need to arise to your priesthood, my brother and my sister. You need to arise to your priesthood, your priesthood over your family. You need to arise to your priesthood over your business. You need to arise to your priesthood, even in your place of work. In that position that God has put you, there's there's a priestly duty for you. And when we partake of the, of the Lord, I explained at the only communion service at on, on, on the video. When you partake at the Lord's table, it is so, so powerful. It's so powerful because you are saying, I am eating at this altar. Huh. I'm eating at the altar of the Lord. And when you eat at the altar of the Lord, you are saying everything, every resource that belongs to that altar has access to my life. My pastor gave a story You all know who that is, right? <laughs> a story one time of a woman that every time she's pregnant, she has a dream. And pregnancy reaches maybe six months or something. She has a dream, and in that dream, a ram will come and jam her stomach. And once the ram jams her stomach with its, it's own, the following morning, she begins to bleed. She loses the baby. That happens, happened to her over and over and over. Then she came to eat at the altar of God, only Communion Service. And the pastor said, once you take this, everything that wants to resist you, we have to resist Christ. Everybody ate it. She was pregnant, so she was expecting the goats, the ram, whatever. (laughs) And true to it, the ram came, showed up, charged, 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 went straight at her, and the lady said, as the ram was about to hit her, a rock showed up between her and the ram. And the ram hit against the rock and died. Sorry, what is that rock again? Jesus. Jesus. Walking your altar makes your life impregnable to the enemy. Functioning in your priesthood makes your life impregnable to the enemy. They just keep trying, but they will keep failing. They keep trying, but they will keep failing. Some time ago, I I wasn't a pastor, but I was a, of course, a believer at the time, and I was just running rampant for Jesus. (laughs) I was in the business of anywhere I see trouble, that's where I want to be. Anywhere somebody has a demon possessed, I said, "Demon possessed issue? Where Jesus is alive, bring her here." That's how I used to be. I'm not like that anymore. (laughs) And I discovered it's not every battle I should be fighting. But then I was, I, I was just looking for trouble. Anywhere I smell any altar, I destroy it. And it stays destroyed. So one of the altars that I came against, I had a group of guys that we just gave our life to, we just were on fire. The priests of the altar said, You, this boy, you want to spoil business for me. I give you five years. I have fired you a bullet. He said this in Yoruba. I have fired you a bullet in five years. My man, I'm like, why is your bullet taking five years? (laughs) I can fire you one right now, right now, right now. (laughs) That will be effective. But I just ignored it. Why? Because my altar was is consistently sustained and attended to. True to it, the he said it, I had a spiritual encounter. I was going and I was fired at. And I tried to dodge and the bullet hit my hand and lodged there. I was like, Lord, and an Angel of the Lord came and smiled to me and took my hand and popped out the bullets. And the place was healed immediately. Praise the name of the Lord. And I was taken out of that experience. And I was like, hmm, this guy actually fired this thing. But you know how spiritual things are because every time you are attacked, you have to what? Come on good, you have to respond. I responded. And I left the matter. I just forgot about it. Years after, I was told that the guy's firstborn was shot dead in a part of town. And I counted. One, two, three, four, five years, exactly five years. After. So the bullet was roving. Was roving. Was roving. But still could not land. And in five years, he says, Well, let's go back to Sender. And landed on his son. And he died. What am I saying to you today? Life is too. It's not bread and butter There's more to life than meets the eye We are about the glory of God in this church But we are not fools to think that Satan does not exist As you sustain your altar before God Your life becomes impregnable They will come at you in a thousand times And they will fall ten thousand times In the mighty name of Jesus And we're about to minister to a few people, and we are done. But I want us to pray. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. You're saying to, to me, Pastor, this altar thing, I wish my life could be like this, so impregnable it can be. And it can be today. You're saying, but I, I, I don't know how. The first step is you need to give your life to Jesus. I'm not born again i need to be born again yes you need to give your life to jesus or you say i used to be born again but i have, you know one off i want to pray with you you can come back today god is going to accept you you don't need to come forward i don't need you to make your way forward but wherever you are seated you're saying pastor that is me that is me that is me if that is you, put up your hand now over your head. I'm going to pray with you wherever you are. God bless you. I'm going to put up your hand well. At the online, if you are responding, it's scrolling. That is me. Put up your hand well over your head. God bless you. I'm Don't just scratch your head. Put it up well. God bless you, sir. Not on your head, over your head. God bless you. Right there. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. If you're putting it up, put it up. I'm going to pray with you first. That is me. Put up that hand over your head. God bless you. I'll put it up well, 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 well. I take a card. We're about to pray. Father, we thank you. Lord and feel the- to you. We ask that you cleanse them totally. Accept them into your kingdom. Change their lives completely. Let your name be glorified. Let your name be glorified. Honor and glory. Honor and glory we give to you. In Jesus' mighty name we are praying.